I hope that you are having a really good New Year's Eve of this 2021. That's when I'm recording this and plan to upload it. You know, I have kind of been dragging my feet on keeping this tradition that I've been going with for the last two years of sharing an annual reflection and lessons learned. Because honestly, this year, it feels a little complicated for me. Yeah, but I decided, all right, I think that there's still some encouraging things and just some real things to share here that I hope will be helpful to you. And also, it is just special to take some time and remember, even though sometimes my feelings have been kind of complicated about this year. You'll hear a little bit about why, um, but just to give a little overview, this 2021 annual reflection is going to include, well, I kind of set out, it's funny, I set out to do personal highlights, business highlights, and as I was writing out my thoughts on this, it really just turned into a cohesive story of my year. So I'll share a little bit about the development of it in each month and what happened, and a little bit of a template I saw it as, or a pattern as I was writing this out was business was great. Personal life was hard <laughs> and uh, and complicated, even though there was so many beautiful things uh, to celebrate and report with you. Um, but still, I think that maybe my feelings on this year might reflect uh, some of those that are uh, relate to what you're feeling too. I think uh it seems kind of like a popular take on the year that there was certainly some highlights, um, but, uh, and obviously always seeing where just that reminder of God is good. And I have so many testimonies of, um, just of praise for him. Um, but yeah, I'll, I'll share a little bit about that. But anyway, so I'll share a story of my year, a little bit of, uh, kind of in a month by month style overview, uh, some, two particular highlights are stories to remember that were pretty profound for me and uh, also some commitments that I'm making to myself in the new year and some interesting tidbits for you that I, I love to share are media um, pieces of media that really impacted me whether that's movies tv shows podcasts and books uh, specifically I'll share some of my favorite books for the year uh, that I absolutely encourage you give a read as well <clears throat> as well as goals for 2022. Obviously, no uh, end of year review is complete without also excitingly looking ahead. And I'm excited to also give you in this a uh, a status or a, <laughs> um, yeah, just letting you know where the called career, um, this career coaching practice of mine has been in the last year and where I'm taking it in the new year. A little bit of a different direction. Uh, maybe, I don't know. I'll let, leave that up to you to decide and categorize. But then most meaningfully, uh, aside from kind of the overview of the year, stories to remember, commitments, media that impacted me, favorite books, and goals for 2022, I'm going to end with, what do I take from all of this? Here are the lessons learned and really my takeaways of the wisdom that changed me. Um, and this is what I'm happiest to leave the year with of, I, I learned so, so much this year. And I believe God used this year to grow me, um, honestly, into womanhood and 
um, maturity like I've never experienced and a real um, breaking down and building up since. Uh, so those west, uh, points of wisdom that I learned throughout the year um, are extremely special to me and I hope helpful to you as well. So with that, I'll kick it off with what what happened this year? You might be kind of uh, curious to know, seeing that a few of my statements have seemed a little foreboding, but I still, of course, uh, if you followed along with me on Instagram for any amount of time, especially recently, um, then you know I've had some really cool stuff happen too. So uh, it's a bit of a mixed bag as real life always is. So let's start with January. This is a the shortest month that I'll speak to. Uh, It was a great business month. That was really an encouragement to me. Honestly, um, (laughs) yeah, I was like, let's freaking go. This is amazing. I'm really so grateful. I think I um, uh, personally like got more clients and uh, made more that month than much of the last year combined, which sounds pretty extreme, but it was yeah, I was really grateful for it. Um, and then February, well, uh, downside of that month, um, went through a breakup that taught me a lot, a lot, a lot. Um, and so, uh, yeah, that kind of, a lot of my, uh, lessons this year, I, I just learned so much from actually hitting pause on a lot of my, uh, dating because that is like a really important part of my life. I'm 28 now. I'm very open to that. I really seek to be in a long-term relationship and ultimately married. So I'm not ashamed about that being a big topic in my life as in tandem with my career and my faith and um, other things. So Anyway, uh, so that was January and then February was honestly only... Um, if I said curse words on the show, I'll say it was a crap storm. It like literally and figuratively, it was so crazy. So, um, that, man, it's almost hard to talk about. That was, uh, it started really good. Like I got to, I was invited to speak with the McFerrin Center for Entrepreneurship at Texas A&M, and I'm a startup mentor for them now. And that presentation, which I worked really hard on, and I I loved the lesson that I learned from that pre- doing that presentation because I took two whole business days to do a presentation that I didn't get paid for, and um, I didn't directly get any clients from it. I don't no yeah I did I did but um, that was over much time, um, and so there didn't seem to be a big immediate payoff. But I always. I just have a personal ethic of I'm going to, if I committed to this, I am really going to put my best foot forward. And that ended up resulting in, I didn't know, of course, how could I have known, um, that some, a Forbes contributor was at that presentation and he ultimately, uh, ended up mentioning me and some of my work, uh, and allowed me to contribute to an article that he posted on Forbes. So, dot com. So anyway, that was really special and super cool, but I, I didn't even announce that for a while, um, or pay much attention to celebrating it because what ended up happening was pretty dramatic. So, um, my dad nearly lost his life in a heart attack, uh, which was just so, so scary and terrifying getting that call and rushing back home, uh, four hours away to my hometown of Corpus Christi. Um, 
but I'm really so grateful he's alive and well. But I came home directly from spending three days a lot of the time at the hospital, went back to Austin because I had uh, you know work to get back to. And that very next day, the snowstorm hit, uh, which any Texans already got a shiver down their spine in what I just said. You know exactly what happened. Uh, it was an unprecedented snowstorm. And Kirsten and I ended up being without running water for 16 days. Of course, that was really difficult. But I know that, like people lost their lives in this storm and many were without power or heat. Luckily, we had power um, pretty much the whole time. But being without running water, man, it just really, um, ooh, uh, it, it got to me after a while that it was crazy. You know, I just thought inconvenience, whatever, keep it up. I, I still had to like show up for my business calls and, or my client work and other things that I had going on and podcast interviews. Uh, meanwhile, <laughs> I haven't taken a shower in forever and it's disgusting, but the roads were so iced over. It was really dangerous to get to friends' houses that still had water. Um, but it was really kind of crazy to witness, oh, like as another week passed and another week passed how the filth in our home just really like ate at my mental health and I was like what just this is so hard I, I just from the uh like breakup I just went through and um uh, not being honestly very treated very well in that and being really angry at myself uh for uh, being probably um, I don't know, just allowing myself to be treated that way and learning a lot about the self-respect that I have as a result now. Um, and then my dad and then the snowstorm, it was just really crazy. But anyway, praise God, got through all that. Uh, but it was kind of interesting as I was reflecting on the story of my year. I think I had to do it in this month by month reflection because I forgot a lot about what happened because I think I subconsciously lumped the first few months of the year with 2020 because I wanted to keep that in like a neat horrific box. <laughs> but anyway, um, of course, I don't mean for any of this to sound tone deaf. Uh, I know that many of us are like, we have this reflex to be like, I know other people have it so badly, but can we just kind of get over that and just realize that, yeah, we all like the hardest thing that you've ever been through is the hardest thing you've ever been through. <laughs> and you're allowed to have feelings about that. I'm not saying that uh, month was the hardest thing I've ever been through, but that was just kind of a reality check for me of hearing somebody say that this year of you're allowed to acknowledge your own feelings about hard things. So anyway, how about let's go to March. So things really started looking up from there for sure. Very grateful for that. So March, um, I finished the job offer accelerator, uh, my one of my programs after nearly a year of working on it. That was so cool for me. I mean, it. I put so much work and research into that. Uh, just to give you context, it's a library of about, um, I haven't counted exactly, but I think it's uh, over 150 pages of templates and content that's really just written for my clients so they could follow exactly line by line detail of like, all right, 
the most strategic next move is to uh, email someone in this kind of position with the company that you want to be at and here's how to find their email and here's what to say and so just doing so much of that work uh, to really provide a, a elite level of service for my clients uh, that's research backed metric backed and you know like you are really um, proceeding with the most efficient excellent job hunt um, at, that you possibly can so that was a tremendous amount of work and I was very grateful and I got it trademarked and that was really cool um, as well as the calling academy another big project that I developed this year um and so anyway, I finished that. That was great. Uh, and I also began, this is the month in March where I began meeting weekly with uh, the woman who I now consider to really be my mentor. Uh, she has changed my life in so many ways. I can't believe how generous she is with her time with me and uh, how she is so willing to just sit there and hear what's going on and she's <laughs> built so many businesses and like she's to me a serial entrepreneur and like one of the most admirable has one of the most admirable faiths that I've got gotten to see just up close and in person and her love for God and her like how she knows the scriptures and how she loves other people it just I couldn't have more admiration for her so that she um, spends each Monday with me is just so special. And so whether she's helping me grow in wisdom, in my faith, in my life, in the way I go about serving others, whether that's friends or clients or community or our church or um, really anything uh, business. She obviously has a lot to uh, guide me in from her experience. It's just, yeah, that has been definitely the highlight of my year. Uh, one of the biggest ones for sure. Also in March, I got to go to the Carrie Job concert in College Station, Texas. And that was just one of the sweetest. It was the first concert I had been to since the pandemic. Uh, good old small town Texas. Well, it's definitely a city now, uh, College Station. But it's like nobody really cared about the pandemic. I still haven't gotten COVID, knock on wood. Oh my gosh. Um, but anyway, so uh, sorry to those of you who did. Also, my my parents have. That was, it's really no fun. But anyway, so I uh, got to go to that concert and it was just one of the most meaningful worship experiences of my whole life. Like her album, The Blessing This Year, uh, has been a soundtrack that to my life that has comforted me and helped me uh, renew my commitment to declaring faith each day and remembering the goodness of the Lord and remembering that he is good. Um, so getting to see that live, which is so cool. And then I ended up getting to see her concert again uh, later this summer, which was neat. But <laughs> um, anyway, it just was so special. Then April, uh, this was a really significant month because despite the mad dash for real estate in Austin, uh, Kirsten, my twin sister, she closed on a beautiful house that really couldn't be more perfect than for us. And I loved seeing her um, stand so firm in her faith when it was really easy to get so freaked out and the market was just going insane. Um, but she just kept on like 
as seeing her prayers of God, you know my financial future. You know where my life is headed. You know that buying a house is a really big deal and a long-term commitment. So I trust this to you. I trust that you have like just the perfect house for us. And even the fact that that's the house that, or this is the house that she got like there's this whole story of it actually wasn't supposed to happen I don't know if I should really tell that story but um (laughs) she in she actually put on put two offers in uh on obviously two houses that weekend and that's pretty risky not really advisable but in a market like in Austin at the time uh it was just so rare that you would even get any offer accepted uh so she was like our lease was about to uh, run up on our apartment. It was literally the last weekend that she had to buy a house unless we were going to have to find some other temporary living situation and that it was just getting really stressful. But she put in two different offers that weekend. Again, not really advisable, pretty risky. Um, the uh, I'll say the offer numbers got switched for the houses. Like she really meant to offer a certain amount for she was talking about another house, but because the numbers got switched and don't worry, like she signed off on it. I felt in hindsight that looking, you have to put down so many signatures and review so many documents as you're submitting your offer. And she saw the number that she was putting in the offer amount for this house so many times and signed off on it. But I feel like the Lord gave her like, a spiritual blindness because I mean I think it came down to like two or three thousand dollars in the end for a 30-year commitment it's it's minuscule when you consider the whole picture but because the offer was a little bit more than she initially thought she was committing to that is actually the only reason that we got this house because I, we don't know exactly how many offers were on it, but the day that it was the open house, I think like 80 people came here <laughs> and it was like it, not uncommon for their, actually another house that she um, was thinking about bidding on, we did uh, get the numbers for how many people ended up bidding on it. And it was, I think 80 offers went on, in on that house. So just to give you scale of how much of a miracle I consider this house to be, that that just like brought us to tears of joy, actually. And we were so grateful that God even was contending for us and answering Kirsten's prayer, even through an apparent mistake. And we're actually really glad that she didn't get the other house that she put in an offer uh, for. So it was just so cool to see this. And I love this house so much. And God is just so kind and so abundant, even though he doesn't owe us anything at all. The fact that he cares about our living situations just touches my heart so much uh, that he cares for us like a father would his daughters and wanting the best for them. Uh, So I just love that story, uh, and it fills me with awe when I remember it. Like, God, you were going to make sure that we got this house. That's just amazing. Oh, and by the way, uh, Kirsten technically wasn't even, quote, out that extra money at all, because even though this is really a seller's market where uh, buyers have absolutely, like, little to absolutely no negotiating power whatsoever, um, even the buyers even, I think, knocked it down after they accepted Kirsten's offer. They, I think they knocked it down that exact amount. Like they took off $3,000, which 
in and of itself was a miracle because uh, Kirsten was like, oh, by the way, we see that the water heater is like literally older than me. <laughs> it was, it's like 29 years old. Um, and they're like, oh yeah, no problem. Like we'll take off like $3,000 to pay for a new one. That does not ha- let me underscore that doesn't happen in this kind of market. So God was going to make sure that we got this house and he was even going to make it like convenient in the end, <laughs> which was just remarkable. Uh, so anyway, um, uh, then moving on to, oh, no, still have a little bit more for April. So um, I uh, got over my fears of doing, like, I was going to try out a new kind of more complicated uh, marketing quote, like launch strategy for now that I completed the job offer accelerator. I really wanted to um, like announce it in a big way. And I did, I put so much work into creating this webinar and it attracted a lot of people to get to know about the program and that I so wanted to back down on it because it was a ton of work on the uh, behind the scenes that it's a big bet on your time, which is money um, uh, on is this investment going to pay off? And that was my best business month yet. Um, so I'm really grateful. Kirsten was a big cheerleader for me in that, like, just do it, just do it. Uh, so I'm grateful I did learned lots of business lessons in that. I also got a gum graft surgery lol even though I'm vegan I definitely my gums are now part cow that's disgusting but true it's so funny to me I definitely um uh I think it's hilarious uh that the periodontist called it am I grossing you out sorry uh donor tissue I was like from freaking what and she's like uh cows and so anyway just because I broke my jaw in college in a bike accident uh literally nobody's asking about this but I think it's interesting but it was definitely a part of my April because um anyway in the bike accident broke my jaw I had my jaws wired shut surgically to heal it and it caused like some pretty crazy gum recession wouldn't you know, uh, pretty intense. And so that's why I had to um, get that taken care of even at a young age. Bummer, man, the amount of dental work I've had to get done. I literally will take as many compliments as on my smile as I could possibly drum up. Uh, anyway, so that hurt, but it was necessary. And it was so funny. I had to schedule that on kind of an emergency basis. I don't feel like explaining why. Um, but, and uh, I had to schedule that on an emergency basis. And it was literally three days, no, two days before these live workshops that I was hosting for a lot of people, which was the launch for the job offer accelerator, which I had been planning again for a year. And so I was like, LOL, I can't believe I'm doing this. And my face is in so much pain. And literally my smile was crooked. And I could only use half of my face because it was so swollen. And I had these blue stitches all in my gums. And I had a lisp. I was spitting. It was disgusting. <laughs> Luckily, people can't really see that on my low def camera, but uh, on computer camera that I was using for Zoom. But it was so like, I my word my phrase for the year was like we laugh so we don't cry <laughs> we laugh so we don't cry but I proceeded and I was so proud of myself for still um like 
keeping those presentations. I still showed up. I still gave this hour and a half presentation. I was icing my face right before and it happened in best business month ever. It was so cool. Uh, so that was a, I'll say a victorious April. Then May, I'll briefly say like we went to Mexico City for eight days. That was so fun. I love Mexico City. Uh, that was our second trip. Uh, we went back there because it's just such a special place to Kirsten and I um, had a really magical time and Kirsten got invited to speak. Um, somebody who follows her on her Instagram uh, saw that she was in Mexico City and she owns a really high-end like dance studio there and she invited Kirsten to speak and we were like, oh, it's on our vacation. Like, this is, I don't know. I, we This is a vacation, not work. But Kirsten decided to accept it. That ended up being our favorite day of the whole trip. Um, Paloma, who uh, is the young woman who invited Kirsten to speak, and she's part owner of the studio, is just one of the most incredible people I've met. She's so fascinating, such a deep and thoughtful thinker, and so inspiring to me. And just the day before, we learned about this really special place in Mexico City, uh, San Angel, uh, or it looks like San Angel. And uh, it's just a, it's all cobblestones. It's like conquistadors homes uh, from the 1500s. And they're all like renovated into modern mansions that are inside these old stone gates. And it's just so fascinating. And we learned about that the day before when we were on a tour. And we're like, man, wouldn't it be so cool to go there? We don't really have time. It Long story short, we ended up, Kirsten accepts the speaking engagement it's so amazing. The whole time I'm watching her speak, I'm crying because I'm just like, wow, I can't believe this chick is my sister. So impressive. So cool. Her words were really meaningful. And then uh, Paloma is like, hey, like, we'll have our driver like take you around. And then we, she says where she lives. And she actually lives in one of those mansions in the, in Santa Angel and is in one of those historic uh, homes, like in the conquistadors, like from the 1500s. And uh, and she was like, yeah, do you want to see it? And I'm like, frick yes, let's go. So I'm just walking around and uh, it's just, it was so amazing. Um, and I couldn't believe, I was just like, God really does catch even the little things that I think would be so cool. And he shows me, hey, I'm paying attention. Hey, look, like, I love you. And it was just so special. So that was a really cool uh, day in Mexico City. Oh, and then she was like, oh, and uh, like we were asking for restaurant recommendations. She told us about one of her favorite in town. And then she's like, I'll have my driver like take y'all over there. And it was kind of far away. And I was like, wait, what? I'm sitting in this luxury vehicle in traffic in Mexico City. I'm like, holy cow. Life life is so cool. I have another story like that in Paris, um, but that's in the December story. Uh, I'll speed up a little bit because I know that this is going on, but I hope it's really fun for you to reminisce or hear about these things with me. Uh, June, I beta launched the Calling Academy. Um, so I on my trip, I reflected a lot and I felt really compelled to distill all the knowledge I've gained from working with one-on-one -on -one clients um, into a course that helps more people um, 
just really discern what they feel called to do specifically and vocationally uh, and then practically find a job that aligns with that. So I felt called to do that, distill my knowledge into an e-course of sorts. And so I decided to announce it and I decided to uh, what's called beta launch it, which is um, uh, enroll 10 founding members and release one module at a time to them as I developed it and have them test it. And I get to be on group calls with them every week and see how it's going, collect feedback from them and further support them. And that was such a special, special, special experience. Uh, I mean, it was even miraculous. And I recorded an episode about this. Uh, It's the one on I witnessed a miracle. It was even miraculous to me how God fulfilled my prayer for like 10 perfect founding members right at the last second. That was really stretching to my faith too. Um, So I just, that's my favorite thing in life. And I'll get into this and my intentions for the new year is to, or commitments, is really just to pay more and more attention all the time to how God is working and his provision, his goodness, his guidance, his words to me. Um, Because my favorite feeling in the whole world is, uh, I used to always think it's joy and I, I love joy. Like it's my favorite, favorite, favorite. But even more so it's awe and just being in awe of like and wonder and there's nothing so worthy of my awe or nothing that can trigger it so much as God. Nothing. And so I just want to pay attention more and more to what he's doing. So I definitely love seeing these ways that he showed himself so clearly this year. So July, we had our first uh, party, a housewarming party. It was so fun in our home. Uh, or Kirsten would like to me to ra- remind everyone that it's her home, but okay. Um, I also got to go to New York City with some friends. I got to go to Boston and Washington, D.C. I went on a little East Coast trip. Um, and it was just very special to prioritize friendships after a year of being pretty separate from so many people. Uh, and... I had in DC one of the most incredible dinners, com- dinner conversations of my whole life. Um, and it was at my friend and former podcast guest's home, uh, row home. Uh, her name is Ariane. And it was near the Capitol, you know, like those precious row homes uh, near the Capitol. If you could just picture that in your mind's eye, it was so magical to me. I got to stay there with her. And one night, like she gathered a dinner together and the table was filled with entrepreneurs. How many of us? It was, I think, uh, oh yeah, I have all of our names here. It was six um, because I just want to remember it. It was so special. And uh, we're entrepreneurs, people in venture capital, uh, advising startups and politics. And all of us are in our 20s and just really like each of us have such a heart like in a fire for not building our own kingdoms but advancing the kingdom of God and to be at a table like that was just one of the greatest honors that I could think of uh and I'll never forget it our conversation was just so profound um so Ariane Patrick Maria Bryson Julia Rose y'all are very very special people and that was um such a gift um, in such a profound conversation. So it definitely showed me that the the biggest joys and awe-inspiring moments of life are not uh, so much solitary, um, solitary accomplishments, but rather 
enriching communal experiences where you actually see God in other people and you're conspiring together for his glory. Uh, And it's just to learn from these people was amazing Uh, and to um, be so impressed by what they're aspiring to. I mean, like, just yeah, uh, I'm definitely gonna have uh, some of those folks that I mentioned back on the podcast this year. So then August, I got to go to LA again, um, and I spent a day. I got to meet up with a former client who is friends. This one's so crazy. Okay, sorry, I don't know why I was crapping so much on this year in the beginning. Now that I'm thinking about it, I'm like. There was some really cool stuff. See, God, I think that's why you wanted me to record this episode because I was dragging my feet so hard. Like, oh, no, it's just going to be too hard, scary, like black hole of emotions. I don't want to go back there. Um, But wow. Wow. I think that's like the enemy trying to convince me that like there's more darkness than light, but that's just, it couldn't be farther from the truth. And God is contending for me and he is so abundantly kind and he cares for my every need. Um, and I'm never alone. Oh, so praise God for all of that. Wow. Thank you for listening to my personal, uh, audio diary entry, but let's move back to talking about August. Um, so I got to go to LA again and I got to see uh, a former client of mine who I just really enjoy her company so much. Uh, Sheila, you are awesome. If you're listening, I'm so grateful for you and you're so inspiring to me. Um, it's such a kind spirit. So she actually is friends, um, with, um, some, uh, a son, uh, a son of the family or the son of the family that owns the historic Lionsgate mansion. And all you need to know about it is it's so mind-blowingly incredible. Like this crazy old mansion, this like Hollywood glamour. It was so crazy. She was like, oh yeah, I know. I'm friends with him. Like I could totally hook up like a private pool party situation. So I was like, um, yes. So we ended up doing that and just spending the whole day there. And, um, she invited or got together so many other incredible people. It was amazing to meet, um, uh, her friend who's, um, who lives there. And then these, uh, TV and, uh, entertainment, I'm trying to think film animation, uh, people in those spheres. It was, it was just so cool. And I think I was really intimidated because I, I thought, oh, man, I'm just, I'm just this Texas girl. Like, I, I don't have much to say about the entertainment realm um, at all. And yet these people were so, like, funny and down to earth and kind. And they're like, yeah, I grew up in Louisiana. And so I could I could relate to you like uh, this Hollywood hasn't uh, removed just like humanity from me and the ability to talk to anyone and so it was really cool and I think an actor was there it was just really neat so anyway um, that was such a special memory uh, lots of like wait what what is life <laughs> kind of moments on that full day that we were there and then September I finished the Calling Academy wrapped up um, that initial group and even though I thought it was impossible, like my timeline was a lot more crunched and it was more work than I expected it would be. Anybody can relate to just constantly underestimating projects. Um, And I was so unbelievably overwhelmed. I was, uh, I felt like really under the gun because I had all these other goals set up 
and dependent on me finishing and relaunching the completed Calling Academy back to uh, the public. And, but again, Nicole, my mentor to the rescue, uh, as well as some podcasts and a book that I really enjoyed were kind of to the rescue. This book that I'm thinking of is Let It Be Easy by Susie Moore. Uh, and just this, this question of, okay, you have all this going on. It seems impossible, like an insurmountable task list. What if this could be easy? Well, or what if this could be simple? Just ask yourself that as that's a new, that's definitely a commitment that I'm instilling in myself now. We're just asking that, like, what if it could be simple? What if it could be easy? Because I overcomplicate so much. And lo and behold, that helped me complete it faster than I thought I could. I got it all done. I relaunched it uh, in October and it was great. Uh, and then I went back to LA again, short turnaround, for my neurolinguistic programming practitioner's training. And that was so cool. Oh my gosh, that that conference really changed my life. And now yeah, you might have heard me. If you follow me again on Instagram, you've seen me talking about the one-on-one -on -one breakthrough session, like mindset breakthrough sessions that I now offer to my clients and help. Um, I, I'm just more equipped than ever now to help people specifically, not just like talk through the insecurities that come up in the job hunt, but really work through them and relieve or remove them. Like limiting beliefs come out the wazoo when you know when you're trying to apply for jobs at companies you admire especially limiting beliefs like oh I can't like this is um they're gonna find out I'm a loser and actually am not qualified so that I'm not good enough complex that really exists at to some level in most of us um now the tools I have like I cannot believe how effective they are uh and experiencing them myself I really can say that I've experienced more like embodied confidence and just rapport with myself than I've ever had uh, and resolving fears that previously stopped me from taking action um, in some key areas of goals that I have. So that was really nice. Um, then, oh, I also got to interview Jordan Rayner, uh, an author, and that was my dream. Actually, if you listen to um, episode 100, where Claire, my friend Claire Robbie was interviewing me, um, I shared about my three dream podcast guests. I think he was the first one I shared, and that happened this year without even me asking for it. His assistant reached out to me. Um, so again, I just feel like God really, really cares about the stuff that I say that I want. So praise him for that. Um, I think I've just always tend to underestimate his kindness. Uh, and I think he really just asked for our faith. Um, so anyway, that's more lessons and wisdom that I learned that I'll get into. Let's wrap up, shall we? So November, uh, I had the best birthday. My birthday is November 3rd. Actually, that was the last podcast that you heard me release. I took a little bit of a break this holiday season from podcasting, but you heard my birthday reflections. Um, and we had such a great time. Uh, had a Halloween get together at our house and uh, such a fun actual birthday Um going to a dance class and lunch and then uh, dinner at one of my favorite restaurants now, Uchi. I'm actually going back there tonight. So excited. Um, honestly, one of the most delicious dinners I've ever had. Look it up. Uchi, Austin, come. I think they also have one in Denver and Houston. No, Dallas and Houston. Yeah, amazing. So anyway, um, 
Uh, let me see. <laughs> oh my gosh! So on, um... <laughs> I also, for our birthday, this was hilarious. I just thought it would be so funny and ironic. I don't know. I guess I just, I do things that I think are really funny, but I booked a bar bike. Have you ever seen those where it, like maybe you're in downtown in some big city and Austin, I see them all the time and I think they're, I laugh at them constantly, but it's like this big um, pedal thing, like a bike it's, I don't know, it almost looks like a trailer or RV. It's so big and it has seats, like a 12 seat. I think we're on a 15 seater all around this big table and under the table you're pedaling. And so that's like why it's called a bar bike and you can bring drinks on it. And anyway, I didn't realize until after booking the tickets that you have to bring your own beverages, which was kind of like, what? I feel like this was a little oversold to me, but it was so fun. And I think I want to just do it casually, like regularly now. I, It was so fun and hilarious. And I just had so many laughs with friends and some of my best friends, Shannon and Bryce, shout out to y'all, came into town from Dallas to join us. And it just made the day. Uh, couldn't believe how much fun I had. And it's really nice to just witness the lesson in this is that as I get older, um, it's not, I, I feared in college that my friendships would actually get more disconnected. Um, because, you know, you're not, uh, your job isn't to be around hundreds of people all the time, like it is in college, uh, when you go off into adulthood. But actually, that's far from the truth. I mean, at least the way I've set up my life, um, like very intentionally, it's actually become like more and more enriching all the time and having even more enriching relationships with people that um, are just really, really my people. Um, and I get to uh, in, like enrich their lives right back um, more than ever. So it's been very special to witness my birthdays actually getting more enriching every year just for the love that I get to share with the people that are there to celebrate with me. Um, so anyway, that's cool. Uh, let's see. Oh, I had such a, a beautiful Thanksgiving. That was the first time that I got to see um, some of my extended family in about six years. Um, I guess we just hadn't really been intentional about getting together, contrary to my last point. <laughs> but uh, one of my family members is really sick. Um, and it was just very, like, couldn't be more meaningful to me to get to spend that um that Thanksgiving with her. Uh, so, uh, and the lesson that I learned this November and December was, um, practicing just presence and not, I'm always thinking about the future, always thinking about the past, always aspiring to something. I'm really ready to cut that out, like where it, it is <laughs> like the excess that is unnecessary, um, and kind of rein in, not too much, but I've always been such a dreamer type, but it constantly catches, has caught me up when it goes too far in anxiety because I'm not just like appreciating the present moment. Um, so just getting that lesson more integrated and practicing it this holiday season was just so precious to me because it this Thanksgiving kind of felt like the first one where I wasn't thinking about some business goal, some relationship, some uh, personal goal or financial one or dreams or what I want to do next week when I get back to Austin. I was just right there, right there, like puzzling with my aunt 
Like, it, it was so sweet. So, anyway, wow, Kelsey, stop. <laughs> but, anyway, I, I just really, um, it's hard to see people sick. But, anyway, so, moving on, let's talk about December, and I'm going to do this in a really high-pitched voice so I don't cry. So, December, um, <laughs> wrapping it up. I can't believe this has been a longer reminiscing session than I thought, but one that is very special to me. Um, plus, I don't know why I'm embarrassed about that. I listen to two-hour podcasts like all the time. <laughs> so anyway, um, namely, let me just call out last night. I li- <laughs> This was the best. I listened to... The- <laughs> I'm almost like cry laughing on YouTube. There was an interview with uh, Elon Musk in the Babylon Bee, like the Christian satire, uh, like publishing company. It was so like, I did not know what I was missing. That was one of the best pieces of media I've seen all year. I, oh my gosh, it was so funny at, you just have to stick it out to the end of um, when they were like, Wait, no, I'm not even going to spoil it. You have to look it up. Elon Musk interview, full interview with Babylon B on YouTube. It was so good. Um, Anyway, gosh, there's so much I can say about that. They're, they talked about some really interesting topics. Um, One of which was like people accusing him of not paying a ta- taxes. And I was like, I literally don't think that people understand how businesses work or... <laughs> Like, he had no reported earnings for, because he has all stock one year. That's why he didn't pay taxes. Meanwhile, he's being accused of this to someone, of, by someone else who doesn't pay taxes, like, legitimately. So, uh, anyway, uh, I'm just like, why do people pick fights with that when he's contributing to our economy, like, more than you could imagine, or I guess choose to imagine? Anyway, um, I think I just have a big some big viewpoints on like businesses being incredibly important in in how they contribute to society but not everybody uh I don't know people pick on it a lot so it's kind of interesting anyway let's move on nobody's asking me for my opinions on that um but you should listen to the interview uh anyway so December um, let me see. I have some more personal reflections on here that I think were just really meant to be a personal diary for me. But, um, I went to Paris for a week. That was absolutely magical. Again, enjoyed being so present and just savoring exactly what was there before me, like noticing like the rain, uh, like sparkling on the streets. And uh, <laughs> even though I had this crazy day where like everything went wrong and my phone got stolen and I like this tour was a total flop that we went on and um I missed our museum tickets and went to this falafel shop that was supposed to be quote the best in the world and it wasn't at all and it was just like I laughed so hard and then my umbrella got flipped inside out and like the wind was so strong it flung out of my hand and the wrist strap broke and this Australian girl caught it uh and I was like I'm sorry like I am having the worst day, but we just laughed about it. It was so funny. Um, and then I like had this one uh, hotel bar that I wanted to go to and they closed it 15 minutes before. And I was like, great, of course, like literally everything today is just such a wash. Uh, but even in that, again, we laugh so we don't cry. I think I can laugh so much at that day because I was like, I'm still in Paris. This is so cool. Um, but had so many other special things happen on that trip. Um, 
like the last day, uh, we unexpectedly, Kirsten got in touch with one of our friends that actually dances for the Paris Opera Ballet, which is one of the best companies in the world. This is a friend that we went to the Houston Ballet Academy with when we were 17. Um, and we trained with him. Uh, and look at where he ended up. It's just like in one of the most elite companies. And there's of the whole troupe of 150 dancers, which is one of the biggest troops in the world uh, or companies, um, only three Americans are, have made it in the company and are there right now. And she, Kirsten, actually knows two of the three. So pretty cool. And we got to meet up with them. Uh, they got us free tickets to a private uh, dress rehearsal viewing of Don Quixote. That's a ballet that I had always dreamed of seeing like my whole life <laughs> because I started ballet when I was six. And uh I like this is a ballet that I had never seen live, but I had obsessed over so many YouTube videos of it as a young teenager. And the fact that I got to see that my last night in Paris, and it was like this uh, invitation only event, and we got it. And <laughs> then we met up at a cafe at like 11 um, at night and got to catch up with him. And <laughs> it was just so weird. Like I hadn't seen him in eight years since I was a ballet dancer. And it's like just really magical stuff and so fun. Um, so anyway, really, really precious memories there in Paris. Um, then what else? Yeah, I just came back from a um, a uh, trip to my uh, parents. Chris and I went to the hill country uh, of Texas where we stayed in a really cool cabin. I got to kayak on the river and I puzzled for like 10 hours straight, thought about nothing. It was amazing. Um, it was, it was just so cool. Um, but anyway, so it's so funny as I'm hearing myself talk about how the year went and I just having my spirits lifted as I recount all these, things I'm so grateful for. It's just hilarious. I mean, I don't want to um, gloss over anything, but it's kind of funny. You've heard me. It just seems like everything I shared is so at odds to how I started the episode. And I think this is a, a lesson to myself uh, more than anything else. But uh, I shared how hard this year has felt. Um, and I don't think that I've reflected on a lot of the year and I wouldn't be surprised if this was like, a, um, I mean, y'all know that I'm a Christian. I, um, I wouldn't be surprised at all if this is a spiritual warfare of a blindness towards what has been very, very good. Aside from me actually having a gratitude practice that I really try to cultivate. So it seems odd that I wouldn't remember uh, a lot of these good things. And I would rather remember an overcast of hardship over a year that I, you heard actually had plenty of things to praise the Lord for, uh, which of course I, I want the thing that I've learned this year, especially in reading the Bible. I know that I'm meant to praise him for what is, uh, what is hard and what is good. I mean, I really encourage you to read Ecclesiastes chapter seven, you know, like that, I just have been meditating on that. He, like, in the good times, be happy. In the sad times, uh, know that this, too, is a provision from the Lord. And that's beyond our comprehension Our comprehension in many things of, in many ways of how that could still be good. But um, 
I, I hope that the Lord continues to refine my heart to be one that praises him in all things. But anyway, you might be wondering, like, Kelsey, why the heck have you said, like, this year was so, so hard? Uh, it's honestly, I, I did not share um, some things. And I, um, in one of the lessons that I've learned this year, uh, that has very much helped me affirm my own self-worth and my standards and my boundaries. I no longer feel the need to share very personal things um, as a bargaining chip to connect with people uh, in the name of vulnerability, which is a very, very strong lesson that I learned this year of like, I really don't need, oh my gosh, especially this old habit that I had of self-deprecating jokes. That's disgusting to me now because I don't deserve that. Uh, and I should not be speaking or joking in my, about myself in that way. Um, and so I don't. Uh, but anyway, in that vein, I, um, I, I will say uh, I struggled with a significant amount of depression this year um, in uh, about the August, September, October time frame um, that I, I um, there was a lot to it behind the scenes of what I was talking about, a lot to it. Uh, in everything, I, I just realized the category. I'll, I'll share like generically what brought up. Um, one thing that I learned in NLP is that your mind, your subconscious mind, one of its primary jobs is self-preservation and survival. Uh, your subconscious mind, it keeps all of your uh, physical processes going, your biological ones to keep you alive. And it also, um, it, it's, you know, it protects you. It, fear is to protect you, uh, like sensing harm, potential harm, uh, everything. It's your subconscious mind's job is to protect you. Uh, so it will actually suppress things until you are ready to deal with them until you are ready to deal with them. Like it's for your greater um, physical, biological, like you're good to, it's better for you to process it than to not process it. So it will bring awareness to um, the lesson at hand that it's ready to start processing. So past memories, um, past uh, hurt that you have tried to suppress or haven't fully dealt with yet. This is a year where that happened in a very significant and consistent way for me. Um, things that I had just suppressed because it was more productive for me to get on with my life, hoping that that was a uh, solution enough in that I could just continue without having to acknowledge pain of the past. But um, this spring was one where I really had to acknowledge a lot of relational hurt that had happened. Um, and uh, I had to actually deal with a significant amount of anger that I had towards myself because I was not, I was not there for me. And I, I know that <laughs> if you're, if you have tendencies like I do, what I just said sounds kind of like, oh gosh, like so self-care, soft, like 2021 talk. Um, I'm sorry if even me expressing that cynicism is something that um, bruises you because I shouldn't speak that way. It is important to um, honor the fact that I abandoned myself. Um, I put other people that maybe weren't trustworthy ahead of myself to significant pain. Um, 
uh, towards myself. And in the end, I was much less angry at other people than I was at myself for not being there, uh, not having boundaries, not having self-respect. And so that was a huge lesson learned that I'm so grateful for. Even now, my friend Chesley, she's a former podcast guest too. We actually only became friends because of this podcast, which I love how that's worked out in many, happened in many instances for many of my dearest friends now. Um, my first time meeting them was interviewing them. Um, but anyway, Chesley has taught me some really special things lately as we um, catch up and talk about once a month or we're doing that now. She's taught me um, that you don't like as a measure of self-respect, you actually don't just throw out the hardest things that you've gone through or, um, or vulnerable things that you're thinking through or have that or that you're feeling to people too soon. Um, because actually I learned a lot about uh, the psychology this year of um, that's trying to form an artificial bond, like a fake security there before it's due. And that could actually be kind of manipulative. Uh, there's a book called Friendish. I haven't read it, but Kirsten has, and she shared some of these principles with me that taught me some of this stuff. I uh, so highly recommend Friendish. Uh, it's been on my reading list for a while anyway. Seems like such a world uh, worthwhile read, but showed me, um, yeah, I'm not interested in doing that anymore. So just to have more boundaries with what I share and not needing to use vulnerability as a bargaining chip to build a false connection with people before that's that's appropriate uh, according to the depth and the history that you have with this person. So um, yeah, that's a lesson that I learned. So of just what God has used um, in it. It was in the midst of some uh, times where I was dealing with some uh, very difficult depression uh, that God used <laughs> all of that to show me, uh, to grow me. I'm so grateful. Um, and grow my self-worth, grow my standards, grow my worthiness, uh, sense of worthiness uh, and boundaries and also, <laughs> he taught me so much about just trusting him, like for real, completely, radically trusting God and his goodness in his plan. I, I tend to be a person that thinks that much more is up to free will and the consequences that come with whatever we choose than of predestination. Um, but actually, this year is one that I got more comfortable with the mystery of the middle ground. Uh, I mean, reading the book of Esther earlier this year just showed me so much about it's, the Holy Spirit just kept on slamming it in my face of like, look at how much I care about the details of everyone's lives. Look at how much I care about the details. If you can't read Esther, even paying halfway attention without seeing that God used a sleepless night of a king. He used um, Haman walking, being the person that happened to walk into the uh, the courtyard at just the right time for the king to be like, oh, who just walked in? Can you have them? Um, uh, I want to assign somebody to go um, pay honor 
to this person that I've forgotten. Lo and behold, it's Mordecai. Anyway, just go and read that story. It's a short book. It's extremely compelling. Um, God has taught me so much about how <laughs> it's amazing. I used to think the Bible was boring and I didn't really commit much time to it in my younger years. But to me now, it's so rich. It's so exciting. You can't tell me it doesn't read like an action book when you read First and Second Samuel, First and Second Kings, Esther, um, uh, read the book of Acts, Daniel, whoa, <laughs> like all these things, even Genesis. Oh my gosh, I love Genesis. It's so incredible. But anyway, God showed me he cares about the, he is caring for your every step. And through the book of Esther, he showed that he used these tiny, tiny little ac- things that look like accidents to actually in a period of two days, save an entire people from being wiped out. That is incredible. So anyway, just trusting God and his goodness and devoting your heart and your steps and your decisions to him, but trusting him for the result, trusting him for the provision, trusting him that even when you are uh, less than honorable to him or overtly choosing the wrong thing and you, you know, you might feel like me at many times, like, all right, wow, big time, uh, you know, I... I made my bed and I sleep in it. I made this cake and I got to eat it. Like this is my consequence. But even then, God God um, desires mercy, not sacrifice. Read Psalm 51. He desires like what is the most beautiful thing to him is a, a contrite heart that understands, oh God, I abandoned you, but you never abandoned me. Um And so all those things have been so beautiful to me, but this lesson of trusting God, he is so good in building and holding up faith uh, and realizing that this is one of the most, our faith is one of the most important things. If to me, it's the most important thing in life. And when I say faith, uh, I'm not meaning like your belief system, your religion. I mean, like the actual faith of, I am trusting in the Lord to do this big thing good thing. Like sticking your neck out for him out of a desire to advance his kingdom and help people and make him known, uh, get to know his, his praiseworthiness and his goodness and his kindness more. Um, so anyway, those are some things that I was taught, uh, throughout the year in a more profound way than ever. And, uh, towards the latter part of the year, you know, good summer, but then, uh, September, October timeframe, is where I definitely dealt with um, another bout of um, depression and some hard, hard things that came up. And through that, I, uh, it was flagged to me that it was time to work out some pretty big childhood and familial wounds. Um, that, of course, you could have the best parents in the world and still you pick up some pretty unhelpful messages from childhood. Uh, and, you know, I'm not blaming anybody because, again, you could have the best parents in the world and still we kind of all have this like childhood wound. Maybe if you've studied or explored any of that, you might um, be nodding your head a little bit um, and working mine out. Like one being that I always like uh, my dad always <laughs> it was amazing. I cleared this up with him over the Christmas break and I was like, wait, that's been terrorizing me in my whole life. Wow. Uh, he would always say, oh, you're so dramatic so dramatic. And I thought he was dismissing me as crazy. Um, and like, I wasn't to be trusted. I wasn't to be believed or I was a silly girl. Um, 
And uh, so I've performed a lot of my life to show, no, I am smart. I am worthy. And I'm just like going to do all the things that you say that I can't do because I, I'm not stupid. I'm not dramatic. I translated that as stupid, stupid, crazy, um, stupid, crazy, not to be believed, all this stuff. And he was like, no, I just meant that you're kind of theatrical. That's it. And I was like, huh words matter. <laughs> anyway, so there was a lot um, and more that's, uh, you know, personal and not uh, having to um, be reviewed on a public platform um, with um, just processing like my uh, my life as an identical twin. Even if I tried to explain it, uh, one thing that has been hard for me this year is um, so few people ever can actually understand uh, the complexity of what it's like to be an identical twin and have this almost like um, partner relationship that in in our society, like the only thing that comes close to that kind of primary relationship is a marriage. But um, like that's not how it's supposed to be and we're supposed to grow apart. And that's just been incredibly complicated for us to navigate. There's been so much with it. So anyway... Just to give you uh, like a little flavor for uh, why I was tempted to um, share that this year has been very hard on me emotionally because it legitimately has been um, put so much behind the scenes. But anyway, there's so much uh, above board that is really I'm so grateful to the Lord. So grateful uh, to share that story with you now and for me to remember that uh, as years go by as well. Um, so let's see, my commitments for the year uh, is to trust what is um, God has already instilled within me, particularly in a business context. Um, it's very common in uh, like online small businesses, especially in the coaching and consulting space, to invest in a lot of like coaches and people that are going to tell you how to like scale to 16 figures by Friday and whatever. Um, and I've gone through so many programs that have equipped me in marketing and taught me all this stuff. But um, and it has been necessary and helpful. But this is the year where I'm putting an all out ban on um, like investing in getting knowledge or help from other people because enough is enough and I have everything that I need. I know enough to take this business or I want to take it. Uh, and I don't need to keep perpetuating the idea that somebody else has this magic fix that is going to make it happen. When in reality, one of the lessons that I'll talk about um, that God has taught me this year is um that there is no one way to get pretty much anything that you want. There's no one way, only action that yields results. And in that action, you're going to have some that it, you're going to have the 80-20. Like really, that's almost like a universal law that people consider it to be like at this point of 80% of the uh, results are going to come from 20% of the action, but you will never know what the 20% is Unless you cast your net wide and get to work. And so much of my 
putting success outside of myself and uh, having to constantly learn from, oh, this person must have figured it out. Oh, this person must have the secret to business. Like that's just kicking the can down the road and thinking, oh no, I could shortcut my way to the 20%. When in reality, I know what's going to work for my own business, my own niche. Like just go do it. Like, you know, 10 helpful things to do today. Just get after it. Like there's no secret sauce. There's no perfect. And I hope that if you, that should apply to pretty much any goal, but especially um, the many of you, I know many people have this dream, uh, even though not many people talk about it or really care to make it a reality because there's a lot of limiting beliefs there. I know a lot of people actually do want to start a side hustle or a full-time business. So just ruminate on this message from me is that in all that I've learned over the last four years, there is no one way to build a business or generically what if with whatever the goal is get what you want. There's no one way, only effort that yields results. So I'm very committed to that now. Um, And then another commitment is constantly thinking and saying, all right, whatever the task is at hand, what if this could be easy? What if this could be simple? Uh, Oh, I have a goal of, you know, serving five new clients this month. Uh, I got to connect with people. How could this be simple? What if this could be easy? Um, So anyway, uh, another commitment is to have boundaries around my work. Um, I honestly think that with the goals I have, um, as I'm intentional about it, I tend to kind of have this temptation to not, to just uh, do work here, do work there. It might be morning, night, whatever. Um, I know that I could probably have a, a successful practice at this point working like nine to five or even 10 to four. So I, I'm going to be more structured about that this year. I uh, have stronger boundaries um, and not take as many evening calls. Um, so anyway, I'm excited for that. Uh, media that has impacted me. I'm going to do that. I'm going to share a little bit about media that has impacted me this year that I think that you're really going to enjoy as well. And some favorite books goals for 2022 and uh, the concise uh, other lessons and wisdom that changed me. So in terms of media, things that I highly recommend that you look up, these, uh, especially um, now that I look at what I wrote out, these are especially building to my faith in perspective, like tremendously. These are resources that stunned me, that made me cry, that made me leap with joy. Um, the uh, Bema Dispi- Discipleship, or it looks like Bema, B-E-M-A, Bema uh, Discipleship Podcast. I'm a huge fan of that. It helps you understand how to read the Bible through the Eastern lens it was written through. The Western lens that we, like if you're from the West like me, um, the way that we read the Bible, it's like no wonder people think it's confusing, contradictory, boring. It's not. It literally all makes sense. It's crazy. The meaning that the Western eye just doesn't see because there's a whole Eastern historical um, metaphorical context that we have no idea about unless you really seek out that knowledge like it's so eloquently put together for you on Bema. So it's just helped me see God and be more in awe of God and the Bible and how it's meticulously put together and trustworthy. And even the parts that I was like, this is contradictory. This is so confusing. Like why in one gospel does it say there was one woman at Jesus's tomb? Why in the next gospel does it say there was two? Like, can they not get the story straight? That's so weird. 
listen to especially the session three or the season three episodes, it will explain it. It's so crazy. It left me in awe in awe of like, I don't have to be scared of having any question about the Bible. If I think it's weird that like a snake is talking, there's actually like, there's an answer there. And there's an Eastern historical context that is going to help me understand like the mystery of this um, and help my Western brain understand it a little bit more as a a credible life-changing text. So listen to Bema changed my life, uh, especially this year, listening to season three, episode 73 through 98 uh, on the silent years. That was so cool. Um, And then um, listening to A Good Eye, that episode, it's episode 98, A Good Eye, uh, showing that worry is really the root of a lot of evil. Uh, Like when we decide to worry, we are disconnecting from God. Um, and when instead we have hope, faith, expectation, like a good eye, like we are seeing the good, we are looking for the good, we are seeing um, evidence of why it's worthy to have faith or a good thing to have faith in God. Like that is what changes our life. And so a good eye, not episode 98, that was transformational to me. Um, then also this episode uh, of a gospel in life, gospel in life is Tim Keller's sermon podcast. Uh, and this episode, you could look it up. Um, I found it on Spotify. The True Bridegroom made me cry so hard. Again, if you are feeling disconnected from God, or if you aren't quite sure that you believe in him, or if you, particularly for this episode, like if anyone is struggling thinking uh, with a shot, thoughts of shame, um, or questioning, like, does God really love me? Listen to The True Bridegroom by Tim Keller on Gospel and Life. It's an hour of your time. It changed me. Um, Then also Jenny Allen's podcast, Made for This. Um, The episode, the recent episode titled, Don't Miss This Unbelievable Story with Richmond, what, Wandera, Richmond Wandera. Don't miss this unbelievable story by Richmond Wandera. Um, that again made my heart leap with joy, made me cry with joy. Like, and now, um, because of that story, I now support through the Compassion Child organization. Um, Wilson, he's a nine-year-old in Uganda, um, and I am helping support him getting medicine, food, school, uniforms uh, every month and get to write letters with him. And I'm so excited about that. Then lastly, this is not a faith-based podcast, but super interesting, like modern philosopher, uh, Naval Ravenkant. He's a tech startup founder um, and investor. And uh, yeah, definitely, I think, is moving into modern um, uh, philosophy or he's called like a modern philosopher. So fascinating. Look up his podcast simply called Naval Life Goals, having a podcast, just your first name. <laughs> um, and also his first interview that he did with Tim Ferriss, Naval, it looks like Naval, uh, N-A-N, oh, sorry, N-A-V-A-L. If you just look up Naval, Tim Ferriss, you're going to find the first interview he did. Mind-blowing. This man is a genius. Um, his book on, uh, it's the almanac of, Naval Robin Kant, um, his thoughts on how to build wealth is just fascinating. I, you will be mind blown. Listen to it.
Um, movies, TV, The Chosen, especially the season two finale. Oh my gosh, I cried. It was so good. Um, love The Chosen. Also, my aunt and uncle, they got to be in the group that's going to be in the filming of The Feeding of the 5,000 for season three that's coming up. So excited. It was so precious FaceTiming with them and they were so excited that they got that. Um, Dead Poet Society finally watched that cult classic movie on the plane back from Paris. And I was like, why did it take me so long to watch this? Um, I feel like in some ways with my career coaching clients, I, I am the professor that's like, live your life. Uh, anyway, I love that movie. And um, then another one, this is a documentary on Netflix. So profound, so sweet, so inspiring. Um, oftentimes, like I'm sharing these um, bits and recommendations with you because I feel like entertainment is just so dark these days and it's trying to get us to be fascinated with serial killers and death and dark things that like really I don't think are healthy for us to focus on and it seems kind of perverted that people like that so much um anyway strong statement but it's true like why do we enjoy hearing about a real person that got brutally murdered and that's so dishonoring to that person but anyway I'm really digressing here so I look for um media that is very encouraging and enriching um to you and uh so these are some things that I really strongly believe people should know about um, and I find it kind of hard to find uplifting entertainment. So that's why I believe in this stuff. So um, the Netflix documentary Seven Yards, the Chris Norton story, a uh, football player had an accident uh, in high school that left him uh, fully paralyzed. But his story um, and faith and work ethic and refusal to quit and his wife Oh my gosh. Wow. They just inspire me so much. So Seven Yards, the Chris Norton story, then music, the blessing, Carrie Job's album. Wow. Holy cow. Promises, a song by Maverick City Music. Look up the YouTube video. Tears. Whoa. Um, meme accounts. <laughs> you didn't see that one coming, did you? But truly, I would be remiss. Remiss if I did not. Yeah, I'm throwing out like all this uh, like faith building, significant stuff. Um, so much of like what really I just appreciated in some difficult times was just like truly stupid memes. So meme accounts get honorable mention here. One, Christians who curse sometimes. Wow, I have wheezed with laughter over that. Christians who curse sometimes. Two, a classic, My Therapist Says. Three, Texas humor. If you're a Texan, again, wheezing with laughter. That account is incredible. Four, middle class fancy. Oh my gosh, middle class America. It's like there's just so many things that will hit home uh, to you potentially with that um, that meme account. Um, let's go into favorite books. Nonfiction, Garden City, Redeeming uh, Garden City by John Mark Comer redeeming your time, uh, which by the way, Garden City taught me more about how to enjoy the absolute heck out of Sabbath than I have ever experienced. And it just changed my life. Redeeming your time, uh, stewarding your time while to be wildly productive. Um, again, changed my life. That's by Jordan Rayner. Designing your, <laughs> design your life. 
wow, these are the theme, Kelsey. Uh, Design Your Life. Uh, sorry, I didn't list the authors there, but Design Your Life, uh, one of the best career books that, in my opinion, you could read. Um, it is so practical. It's so helpful, so inspiring, will literally help you design a career that is wildly fulfilling to you and it helps you understand the technicality and kind of the engineering that goes behind like having a design thinking mindset when thinking about your career and creating a, a an impactful one so design your life and it's just enjoyable I like the case studies and stories in there then like I mentioned the almanac of Naval Ravikant uh, Ravikant sorry uh, there's no in Ravikant uh, a guide to wealth and happiness He's super smart, y'all. Y'all should just read that. Then goals for 2022, if you're curious about that. Um, for me, it's to buy a house in Austin um, to uh, serve five new clients a month, um, speak at churches and on podcasts and really uh, share this message that I believe God has given me, equipping people to step into their callings. Um, very important, timely I believe this needs to be shared. Um, and then also just to enjoy my dang life because, wow, I did another go round of reading a class Ecclesiastes over the holiday. <sighs> um, <laughs> the ecclesiastical anthem of eat, drink, and be merry, but also, ironically, don't forget, you'll have to account for everything in the end. That is a sentence. In that sentence, I think, lay my lifelong juggling match, but <laughs> it is very important to ponder. Um, and um, so, yeah, let me just expand expand a little bit upon that. Goals for 2022, um, because I mentioned serve five new one-on-one -on -one clients a month. Uh, you might have seen the episode where I said, um, I announcement, I'm shutting down my one-on-one -on -one coaching practice. That was when I was really prioritizing the development of my e-course uh libraries that are now active. So that's um, my e-courses, the Job Offer Accelerator, which is now a resource library that my one-on-one -on -one clients get access to, all those templates, guides, step-by-step -step strategies, scripts, email scripts, like everything is in there, um, as well as the Calling Academy, which is the step-by-step course helping you understand like biblically and then practically how to discern your uh, unique calling vocationally, and then practically identify the job that best aligns with it, that is in service to the world and uh, like agrees with how God made you to be, who God made you to be. So those two, I really planned on transitioning to an e-course business where I could serve more people just uh, with those self-study materials that I've designed. But I've really become more and more connected to the truth that I believe that can really help a lot of people, but um, I think that Jesus really had it right. And like, I saw this meme on Instagram that was so profound for me. And I was like, yeah, that actually makes everything make sense. A lot of churches these days, and I'll implicate the business lesson in this uh, that I've taken. A lot of churches have this big, um, it showed a funnel, like the big side up and the, it, uh, goes down to the small side on the bottom. So they're like, 
we're going to reach like 5,000 people. And then maybe a portion of that is want to get going to want to get more involved and like they're actually serious about their faith. And then we're going to develop leaders. And then there's going to be people that like perpetuate the funnel and like grow it uh, right at the bottom. And that's going to be a few core people. And then it's like the Bible on the right. Jesus's uh, discipleship model. He's like, I'm going to pour everything into like my three core uh, apostles and, and then brought more broadly, like he obviously spent time around the 12 apostles uh, and the broader group of people that followed him around in his earth, earth, earthly ministry. Um, I'm going to pour everything into this like very small group of people and they are going to each have their own like small group below them and then it spreads out and then you see the funnel flipped upside down. It's small group, big impact. Uh, leads to a big impact. And so I really desire and see that as really the truth. Like information doesn't change people. I'm going to make a bold statement here. Information doesn't change people. Your belief in them does. Like having a one-on-one conversation with me where I know so much about you and your career and showing you, hey, now that we have this rapport and this relationship, and you know what I've helped people be able to accomplish. I'm looking you in the eye and saying, you have every potential in you to do the same and more. And I believe in you and I'm helping you. And we're going to be on the phone together before that big interview that you have set up. And I'm going to help you uh, hold your hand as you're making bold pitches to companies you really admire. And so I just am convicted that that's actually what I'm supposed to be doing, at least for now. So um, I am tra- transitioning back to focusing, using all that I created this year to have even a higher echelon of service now. Um, and certainly anyone who doesn't find one-on-one coaching financially accessible um, or the uh, for whatever reason, um, then I will use my self-study e-courses as like the financial aid option. And you can still access those uh, or choose to um, use those. But I am focusing my attention on really um, like devoting myself to a small pool of clients. And I'm also transitioning to really be more focused in who I serve. So to be clear with you about that, I am focusing myself on serving um, high-performing Christians who really uh, are faith-driven professionals that have a track record of hard work and drive in their career, but they um, know that and they feel that it's time to stop trading success for significance, and God wants them to place their ambition in him, with him, for a specific calling that he has for them. So I want to help uh, that type of person. It's one that I very much relate with. Um, And so that's who I'm really focused on serving in the year to come. Um, And uh, especially like I look back on my clients that have been CPAs, engineers, consultants, um, uh, salespeople, like top salespeople. I'm let's go. (laughs) Okay. Like I, we could take this so far because I think that when I pour into that few, like those kind of, um, I'll say just straight out like influential types when I pour into them, there's that, um, there's such a ripple effect there. They aren't just people that are interested in like, okay, I'm going to work with Kelsey. So like I could be happy. They're really here 
or so like I could enjoy my career or earn more. That's great. Shouldn't be ashamed of that whatsoever. But I'm looking for people who are hungry for a vision to be realized because I am here to help you with that 100% with all I've got. Anyway, so that's who I'm focusing on working with. Um, I'm only taking on five new clients each month. Um, so you could go ahead. I've updated my website uh, to be a bit more clear and concise with who I'm serving and what the new process is like because I've definitely refined my services constantly. I'm doing that. But um, you could see how that's turned out at KelseyKemp.com slash, well, I changed the homepage, so you could just go to KelseyKemp.com. I'm so proud of it. Um, and then KelseyKemp.com slash services or the work with me button that you see at the top. Um, click on that and you can apply. It just starts with a 60-minute complimentary uh, career strategy session with you where you and I meet and we assess what's going on in your career right now, the aspirations that you have, what you're looking for, um, a, a kind of triage what the challenges are that you're going through right now, potential roadblocks that might be keeping you from where you want to go, uh, and then co-create a strategy for how we're going to get you there. And either way, if you and I decide that it's best to work together, then great. If not, uh, then you will still walk away from that strategy call with me. Again, it's a you get a full hour. Um, walk away from that strategy call with me having a plan to take action on yourself. So uh, you could apply for that. I have a few more spots open this week at kelseykemp.com slash services. I've already had four applications for the five spots in January, but uh, I'm still welcoming more applications for those spots for sure. Um, because, you know, I'm not sure uh, I, those aren't secured spots yet. And then um, for February, if you don't make it for January, uh, that's just a rolling application. But anyway, you could be one of the people that I work with this spring. Anyway, so you could go to KelseyKemp.com for that. Uh, let me see. That was the goals for 2022. I'm keeping it real simple. I've made it so freaking complicated in the past, but I'm getting too old for this. I would really like simplicity in my life and just to be highly focused, highly focused on what I feel God is calling me to do, cut down the noise and largely just ego building activities that are on the fringe of that. Like I don't need to have a huge podcast, uh, like all this crazy stuff going on. I don't need to put my focus on making that a goal. I need to put my focus on impacting those five lives that I'm called to serve each month. So that's what I'm doing. All right. Who is ready for finally the lessons learned and um, the wisdom that really changed me this year? Um, so I'm going to talk on the lessons. I kind of group them into themes, lessons on worry, on belief, on speaking from the heart, on focus, on ADD, something that I was diagnosed with at a really young age, uh, on confidence and self-worth, on business, health, and bitterness, actually. Uh, those are some key themes that... God taught me about throughout the year. So starting on worry, this was probably one of the most significant lessons that I was shaped by in the last year, which I think is most beautifully summed up by something that my friend Stevana said at our uh, dinner table conversation at our Friendsgiving feast. Um, so this is towards the end of the year, but I was like, wow, that just sums it up uh, what I've been feeling better than ever. So she said, 
when it was her turn to share what she was grateful for for the year, I'll just never forget. She said, you know, I'm grateful my worry never got me anywhere. I'm grateful my worry never got me anywhere. And as she untangled that point, it just stunned me. Like, wow, (laughs) isn't it a beautiful thing to realize that it is good to reflect and see zero evidence that worry is helpful for you in the end. Like at <laughs> when all is said and done, you see oh, it was always going to be all right. Or even though that ended up in a tough spot, I see how God used that. And of course, we don't always see how things are turning out for our good as Romans 8.28 Uh, That theme uh, encourages us to know that he's working all things to the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. But we're not entitled to see that all the time. But I did just see this profound grace and wisdom come through this statement that Stevana made of, yeah, actually, I could look back and realize, too, I honestly wish I never freaked out because it was just such a waste of my life. It pulled me away from God. It exercised a habit of a lack of faithfulness, a lack of trust in my creator. Um, It exercised an emotional habit that actually makes me sick because cortisol and uh, anxiety that actually leads to inflammation. Inflammation is a huge root in pretty much any disease. Um, I, the, <laughs> I've experienced so many, um, like downturns in health in the past that I come to find out they were actually just stress related. And so I'm just, <laughs> a big lesson this year is it is just utterly un, not worth your time, not, and for me, it, I just, it feels so disrespectful to God now to worry, to worry about anything. And even when it's been the wor- kind of worry or stress of like, oh, I'm not quite finished with my notes and I have this presentation that's tomorrow and I'm in a time crunch and I don't know how it's going to happen. And it just seems like this is the time that's permissible to start worrying or that my hypervigilance and concern for disaster actually does help me because it makes me more aware and I see around corners and I can protect myself. But God is more and more shaping me into the kind of person that, and praise him for this, thank you, Lord, that yes, I could be uh, thoughtful I could be aware of my surroundings, aware of what I need to do, proactive in um, taking the steps that I need to take to produce a good outcome, but then leave the rest on the table and there's going to be things that look like they're just going really wrong, but in the end, it's going to be fine or it didn't matter at all or you're not going to think about it and even a month from now and that it all blew over and it was fine, or it wasn't fine. And that shaped you in a significantly positive way in terms of your wisdom, your maturity, your grit, um, your resilience. Um, So this year, my favorite lesson was just the commitment I now feel to release the habit of worrying and 
more so that's really about my gratefulness for God that I feel like I, I don't have to. Because um, I believe that he provides for me, even though, oh, Jesus, you know, you have stretched me to the last second on many occasions, but he comes through. Um, but then the next lesson that really shaped my year was along the lines of belief about uh, like just having big belief in what's possible, belief, uh, strong positive beliefs, obviously about God, about his power and what can happen. And I learned that belief or faith, as um, Jesus said over and over again, that just hit me over the head when I reread the four gospel accounts this summer, really scan through them, you will be shocked how much Jesus just talks about um, like your faith makes you well or ask and you'll receive. And that's, I, I know that people like to twist that into the prosperity gospel. Um, and, but my biblical studies this year, of course, like many of them were like, sheesh, that's a hard lesson. Like, yeah, we really get our comeuppance in life and like, it's freaking tough. And, uh, this is not my home. Like world, the world is not my home. I have a hope that's ahead of me. My true home country is in heaven, like it says in Hebrews. But then also I saw this dichotomy of, wow, like, <laughs> I don't think that God hates thriving. I think he created it to be the result of exercising wisdom, truly, and exercising first like a love of God and that he is our true thriving he's our source of all things that are good but then you know there can be a really joyous provision in uh, material things here uh, so anyway just uh, belief was a huge theme for me because I realized that belief is truly the most important thing. What you believe to be true about you, about the world, about God, it influences every single thing that you do. It even, or even more often, it influences also what you don't do. Like if you believe something that isn't possible uh, or isn't likely for you, you're likely not going to stick yourself out. And so you you uh, reject your own, um, like you self-select out and you choose Oh, okay. Self-fulfilling prophecy. I guess it's not going to happen. So anyway, I just learned a lot about sticking my neck out there, not uh, uselessly on things that I didn't feel God was calling me to. But when I had an idea of, man, I think that this is really going to be a good thing for the world, for others, for God, um, my community and me, I think I'm just going to do it. I think this is going to be a helpful idea. Um, like, and I just don't get too caught up in, like, is this the right perfect thing? I think um, that's a lesson I'll get to on my business lessons for the year. But I just go for it and trust in the Lord. I When I ask him for a certain result, like, okay, I'm going for this thing. I believe that you're leading me in this direction. I believe it's a helpful idea. Um, so I'm going to go for it. And then I put a number on it, like, okay, Lord, can it be, like, this many people that I get to serve. Um, and certainly there were times this year where that happened. Uh, and those were so exciting. And then there was other times where I came gloriously short of the numbers and goals that I prayed for. Um, but 
in the end, like I just learned so much more and God shaped me so much more into the kind of person who is in awe of him, who wants to walk in step with the spirit, who loves God more than I love the world. When I was in the act of sticking my neck out big time and asking him for things. That teaches me so much more and grows me so much more than anything. So um, that's why I really believe in just taking action um, and not thinking that life is a bunch of red lights until God gives you like a tiny green light with a bunch of instructions and the security that, oh, no worries. Like it's going to go perfect. Nothing's going to go wrong. Uh, And instead, life is, I really believe, a bunch of green lights and a bunch of free will. And God also graciously asserts some red lights along the way. Like, hey, hold back on that. You better listen. (laughs) That's another lesson uh, for me. But that famous Henry Ford quote of whether you can or you can't, you're right. So worth taking to heart. So worth taking to heart. So whether you can or you can't, you're right. I think so many things are just a self-fulfilling prophecy. And God is looking for people. That's another theme that I... uh, saw, especially in uh, Jacob's story, in Jonathan's story, in First and Second Kings, especially, uh, wait, sorry, First um, Samuel, First Samuel 13, chapters 13 through 15, that story especially just like had my jaw on the floor. I think that God is just looking for people who want to advance the kingdom almost entrepreneurially, excitedly, um, saying like, we're the people of God. Why wouldn't this happen? Why wouldn't we be agents that leave the world more healed, more beautiful, more joyous, more provided for uh, than how I left it? That's just a like non-negotiable for me. And I don't see characters in the Bible like waffling so much about the details of their calling, like, oh, are you sure? Are you sure? Are you sure? I mean, Moses is definitely coming to mind. He was super timid. But um, like uh, characters like Jonathan, David, they're just like, oh, I I want to advance my my God's name. I'm just going to do this. And I loved that. I loved seeing that. And I really relate to that spirit. Um, So anyway, Um, two of the biggest things that helped me have huge faith and really grow my faith in God for the year, which by the way, my word for last year was belief. So (laughs) it was, um, it definitely came true as one of my biggest focuses. Um, even when I forgot that I picked that as my word, but two of the biggest things that helped me grow in this were reading the word, especially the old Testament, the stories of kind of quote the well I hate just saying the fathers of the faith because then like there's all these stories of women too uh like Hannah Esther um uh Deborah oh my gosh uh Ruth that they show me the kind of person that I want to be and how when you stick your neck out for the Lord that (laughs) that changes that, that changes the world and allows others to see him when they were just stumbling around in the dark and hopelessness and like, oh, I guess that like God's not here. 
And when somebody really bold comes around and is like, no, we're reclaiming this. No, our God is good. I'm going to help everybody remember that. Wow. It just inspired me so much. So reading the word, especially the Old Testament again this year, uh, like Genesis, Esther, Samuel uh, 1 and 2, Kings 1 and 2, um, and the gospel accounts and Acts. Whoa, all of those books read like action stories. Couldn't stop. Very interesting. And then also borrowing the second thing that has shaped me so much is the practice of borrowing faith from others when I couldn't hold it out for myself or when I was losing hope in the Lord's goodness or I was going through a super hard time this year. Like I mentioned, I dealt with um, a more significant bouts of depression than um, than I have in the past, even though I definitely have experienced it in the past and really lost a significant uh, sense of hope in many times um, through just personal difficult circumstances that aren't worth laying out on a podcast. But um, I, in that time, I just learned how important it is. Like I mentioned in the Baymont podcast on The Good Eye, or titled A Good Eye, uh, God, uh, Jesus was not freaking kidding when he talked about how essentially your lifeblood is what you feed your eyes. Like it will dictate what you internalize. It will dictate what you believe and who you become and therefore what uh, actions and results manifest in your life. And so I was, I just made a practice of really seeking out stories and testimonies from others that strengthen my heart and recognizing the power of my God above the darkness that our society loves to feed itself on. So if there was a particular area of life that I was really discouraged about, uh, maybe it was business, maybe it was relationships or dating or whatever, I would get on the phone with a friend who had an undeniable story of God's goodness in that area. And I would just have them retell the story to me, retell the story. And then they would take their belief for me, their belief in God, their encouragement and like how filled up they were on the spirit. And they would pray for me. And I, every time that I wanted to slip into like, I just like everything sucks and nothing's going to work out. And I guess like this one uh, girl, Tiffany Rogers is her blog. Uh, It's Tiffany Hogel now on Instagram, but uh, she had this uh, blog post that was titled God writes good stories, but not for me. And it was a really profound blog post of just like sharing super honest feelings sometimes in certain areas of life um, that, you know, plenty other things can be good, but sometimes you just relate to Abraham in chapter 15 of Genesis, this hit me really hard when I reread that this year of, he said, God just got finished blessing him for like the umpteenth time and saying he was going to be the father of all these nations. And he was uh, graciously uh, making his covenant with Abraham. And Abraham, his first response in chapter 15 at the beginning of it is like, I'll paraphrase, that's all great, God. But what do all these things matter to me if you have not given me the one core desire of my heart, which is to have a son? 
And I just thought, wow, what honesty with God that fights for your relationship with him, to be honest and to work those feelings out. But I've definitely had some of those areas in life where I'm like, sorry, I feel like such a turd God. I'll say that in my prayers. Like, I know that plenty is going well, but like sometimes I just feel like, what does this matter if there's other areas in in life that I've been praying for for so long and this hurts so much at this point and I'm just seeing like my friends kind of pass me up and this seems easy for them. Um, And so, (laughs) so I just fought for faith in asking friends to tell me their stories of God's goodness um, and that's a practice that I'll stand by always. Uh, if you're having a hard time, borrow, like, and you are weak in your faith, because we all get that way. It's okay. Borrow it from somebody else when you can't hold it out for yourself. And on next, um, a lesson on speaking from the heart. Um, this really is hand in hand kind of with the belief thing. Uh, I realized that the honestly, my biggest impact that I could have on others, I spent a great deal of the year, last year and this year, really up leveling the absolute heck out of my strategies and materials and technical competency as a career coach, and focusing on the five steps, uh, like proprietary systems that I was creating and specializing myself in this field, and showing how I could help people like negotiate their salaries out the wazoo and reporting all these like numbers and whatever. And that's amazing. And I'm very grateful. And I absolutely believe that's something that I was worthwhile. But in the end, I realized that I could, and this this is likewise, you know, people could give me their life's knowledge distilled down into like the five steps or the, um, like here, I wrote it all out, just follow these instructions and you'll get ABC result. But I realized that does not change people nearly, like it will never hold a candle, never hold a candle to personal interaction where I like I am meeting with someone I know them I know their story or I'm looking them in the eyes and then I say I I believe in you I believe in you and am giving them like personal encouragement uh or um like instruction and I just think that Honestly, that personal relationship and uh, I hate to sound like kind of woo-woo, but I really can't deny it that I think that that um, like energy of confidence that transfers to another person, not when it's like, oh, yeah, I know that this person is so confident and they insist a million times as I'm reading their book that this is going to change my life and I see that it worked for them and them and them and them, but like surely not me. And I just don't think that there's so much room for that when you are known and then still believed in and encouraged. So I think that those, that, um, like, honestly, kind of who you are is 
what changes people a lot and having that relationship with them and speaking, which is this is the lesson, speaking words from the heart, not just the strategy and logical steps that I think largely just are helpful. Yes, but sometimes I just think that there's this, uh, this is kind of hard to explain. And these are a lot of thoughts that um, I don't know. I don't feel like many... I hear it talked about a lot, so they're kind of funny to explain, and I feel like they're points that people have an internal revelation about, but they're kind of hard to verbalize. But in speaking from the heart, I learned that the words in my work that come directly from what I feel this specific person or this specific group needs to hear, and ones that I convey with like the deepest conviction possible, that changes the world. Like my logical strategic steps never will. Never will. Like a story that happened this year that really changed, like it solidified this belief in this lesson for me is I got to speak to a group of about 30 lawyers. And I just really felt God nudging me like you, I always have this wild, uh, like six point font, super detailed and hopefully impressive PowerPoint presentation that I put together with like all this branding and strategy and I, my little face is in the corner of Zoom and you, you're kind of hearing my voice, but you're really just looking at the slides and I'm showing you how much I know and all these screenshots of like client results and whatever. And I was just like, I really think, yeah, there's a time and a place for that, but that's not what these people need. That's probably what everybody thinks a lawyer wants to see, like these extremely competent analytical professionals. That you, if I did a PowerPoint presentation like that and gave them this super put together speech, I think that would just be for me and actually in my ego and not for them. Because actually, what are they probably starved on more than anything else? Words from the heart. Words from the heart in a professional um, society that they're all seeking after their own advancement in their career. They want a career of meaning, of justice, of um, significance, one that genuinely changes and helps people and uplifts the world. How many people have fed them like a textbook that they already know to help? (laughs) You could have probably heard my cat being an absolute psychopath trying to rip the door down in the background. Um, So yeah, I took care of him. Um, But uh, yeah, these lawyers, I just thought, no, they they need the opposite of what they probably get all the time. So for once, I'm going to lay down my ego and however it's perceived is however it's perceived. But I have a strong gut feeling that this is going to be the kindest thing I could do for them. And I just wrote down like five or six bullet points that I felt like the Lord was giving me as encouragement for them. And I spoke from the heart. I spoke from the heart. And... I I mean, I wasn't really surprised because the Lord was guiding me in the right direction. I got an email after that saying that that was likely the best, like uh, after the flood of positive feedback, they think I was the best speaker they've ever had. And I was one of only three 
nine lawyers who have ever been invited to speak at that organization. And I, like, so I think that when also that kind of just makes me think that when I'm humble enough to like really listen to the Lord, which by the way, listen is now my word for 2022. I believe that even if I think that he's leading me to do something that seems quite humbling or quite risky or might be perceived differently and there's a safer side elsewhere. Like, I believe that that leads to the greatest glory to him and honor to you and joy to everyone in the end. So I'm just, I was really grateful for that lesson that he solidified through that experience. And I was very, very grateful for it, just in awe afterwards. Um, So God is good. Listen to him. And secondly, oh, sorry. Um, this is actually point four of eight, so I'll just uh, speed up a little bit, though I'm fully embracing that this is the longest podcast I've ever done, but maybe you're like me, and I actually really like listening to longer podcasts now, um, so you'll just tune in and tune out a few times, maybe. Um, but the next one is on, um, on ADD, actually. So I mentioned that um, at when I was six years old, uh, apparently I was having such trouble focusing and I think I was very disruptive to my first grade classroom, um, that the teachers, um, really were, I guess, having some strong words with my parents and were saying that, uh, like, I, I, I don't know, there was some kind of problem. So they advised that I got tested, uh, for, um, uh, attention deficit disorder or some kind of learning disability. And so I went to this testing center and, um, the, uh, I remember even at six, how that was, it was like this half day whole test and they were having me do so many different things, including like, they just didn't really give me a prompt, but they just had me draw things. And that was interesting. Um, and, they came out of that meeting with, I will always be grateful to that psychologist. She said that, um, cause I was present for the debriefing with my parents and, uh, she said, yes, like she has, um, attention deficit disorder. I'm not sure they didn't categorize it as ADHD. I don't know. That's just what they categorized it as, but definitely a, a quote issue with attention, um, that would send you severe enough for them to strongly advise my parents, like, if at all possible, she will need to be homeschooled. Like, a classroom environment is one that is not helpful for her and disruptful, like, if she's in it to other people. And, um, which is really interesting. So, anyway, um, I was kind of... and. That could have been really hurtful, and there were a lot of times in my life uh, where it, I just felt like the biggest loser of all time, especially once I got to college. Like, I felt like I had to study literally twice as many hours as other people um, because I was just, uh, I felt really slow, um, like really, really slow and having a hard time keeping my attention on much of anything. Um, and so I would just have to reread, reread like the sentences and, and it felt like such a struggle to keep my eyes on the page. Uh, I mean, I 
put in all the work. So I still graduated with honors, but it felt like so much more of a struggle than some of my, the peers uh, that I was comparing myself to. Um, But anyway, so this has been a significant pain in my life um, that caused me to believe I was really, really freaking stupid and um, just have like other people could focus or be attentive or read fast or I, I remember in college I this, the one time I did group studying then I was like not, not for me dog thank you uh, was when um, I was studying for an accounting course and my I was studying with four friends and they were like okay let's go to question 10 and a few seconds later they were like so do you think it's uh, option D is the answer and I was like on the first sentence of, I was still trying to comprehend the word problem. <laughs> and I was, I was like, I cried after that. I felt so dumb. But anyway, my learning this year, or the breakthrough rather, that overjoyed me to the point of tears. I just had this moment, I think it was in June, where it hit me. And I was just sitting in bed. And I, I was talking um, to Kirsten that evening. And I just gasped out of nowhere and I had this huge realization all of a sudden that caused me to just break down in tears where I realized that it's been months and maybe the better part of a year where I have not considered ADD to be a factor in my life at all. And I realize I no longer consider myself to be someone who has any struggle whatsoever with managing my attention and focus or any abnormal challenge with follow through and um, channeling my energy into committing to ideas big or small and making them happen and not being a person that's all over the place, but someone that that really moves forward with what I say that I want in a timely fashion and having fruitful and productive work days where I'm also not relying on any medical aid whatsoever to hone in my focus. I couldn't believe it. Like something that people say is impossible to heal something like ADD. I really do not relate to that term at all. I do not consider myself to have uh, an issue with attention. And I was just praising God in that moment and reflecting on how it happened. And I could do a whole podcast episode on this if y'all want. But some of the lessons I've learned from this is I don't think that I was so dumb or having such a hard time with attention. I think this is could actually be considered an advantage. I think I was just doing things that were really uninteresting and seemingly irrelevant to me. And school just felt like a game that I just had to play to get the grades. And I did. But... I wasn't studying things that I felt were like ultra compelling or useful ultimately in my life. And similarly, when I was in my consulting job, oh my gosh, ADD, what I thought was out the wazoo. I thought I was so slow. I was so behind. I had to work so much more. Um, I felt really dumb. Um, or like I wasn't picking up on ideas or things in meetings as fast as other people. And again, I think it was because I was like so bored, actually. Attention deficit is actually not a lack of attention. It's an excess of attention where your mind grabs onto things, so many things, so quickly. But now that I, once I designed a career for myself that I found extraordinarily compelling, 
I no longer was whipped around by ideas. And also basic things like nutrition, proper sleep, and acknowledging uh, like um, redeeming your time. Jordan Rainer's book really helped with this, that our natural attention cycles are in 90-minute rhythms. And in after 90 minutes of deep work, oh, also keeping my phone out of the room entirely. I will not work in the same room as my phone. All those things. Wow, it's magic. How is it so magical that I literally, I don't have to take any medication, even though it's been prescribed to me my whole life. And um, like it, it was seen like, oh, she needs to take Ritalin to get through school. And like, good luck, kid. <laughs> you're probably not going to wind up too much. And and it was the opposite of what is true. So anyway, I'm probably going way too off on this point, but uh, I would like to do a, a longer, uh, a deeper dive uh, into this. And it's been really encouraging to see a, a few other entrepreneurs and podcasters out there talk about they actually were diagnosed with ADD at a young age. And once they got into self-employment and really directing what they do and having a work style and not working in an office that's so distracting <laughs> and being able to design an environment that works for them, you you do not, like, it's been amazing to see the testimonies that have come from um, having these uh, like tangible remedies that allow you to not be dependent on medication, excuse me, medication. Um, and to actually see your ADD, what is called uh, like, whatever, I don't like even that term, but using it actually as a superpower. Uh, so again, I love the terms like neurodiversity that are coming out instead of considering them to be disabilities, but rather just like a legitimate a uh, diverse way that brains work. Uh, so anyway, let's move on uh, on confidence and self-worth. That was a huge, huge, uh, um, I guess I made leaps and bounds in that area in this year. Um, I'm not sure there's so many lessons to that I have to break this down for you because I don't think I'm... Uh, I don't know. I, this was more of a personal experience. Uh, I, I wish that everybody could give some like three-step system to transfer this to someone else. But I think that God really leads us in this lesson through our own um, life experiences. But this was the year where I just realized that I had been... Uh, how do I say this? Okay. I just became utterly uninterested in self-deprecating humor that I used to take part in all the time, tearing myself down, and some key relationships like my family and my friends and God just helped me see that I've been wasting so much of my life believing that I was less than or that um, I had some hole, like something wrong with me that everybody else had filled uh, that was a huge thing, especially in my college and early adult uh, or early 20s. I, I, In those years, I really, I could always see the good in other people. And I always thought that there was something missing with me. Um, and I'm very grateful that that turned around this year. Particularly, God used some key relationships you know, with Kirsten. I have a big memory with her of her just <laughs> having some strong words of rebuke of just like, do you see... 
do you see what you're saying about yourself and how waste a big of a waste of time that is and how offensive that is to our God who created you with an outrageous amount of thoughtfulness and then also I remember my friend Arianne she had like I I was at um, that really significant dinner that I mentioned in DC and I had been sharing a lot of thoughts and I think on more than one occasion I actually was like sorry I know I've been talking a lot or like oh gosh you know uh, just strong opinions uh like kind of uh, apologizing for my viewpoint and I think it was on more than one occasion but she was just so such a kind and faithful friend she was like Kelsey like <laughs> she had this kind of exasperated like Kelsey can you please stop what you have to say is valuable and I'm glad that you're here and nobody's thinking that. Something along those lines. And I was just like, oh, whoa, whoa, yeah. And then um, this was backed up by when I went to my NLP uh, certification training in LA. I saw that when we would break out into group exercises and we would try to practice a totally new skill. So of course it's uncomfortable. Of course, everybody knows that we're all in the same boat. We're trying it out for the first time. Slip-ups are completely to be expected and nobody cares. I saw that the people in our practice groups that apologize a lot and were so nervous to get things wrong and they were, were thinking so much about what others were thinking about them, their their self-consciousness actually became extremely selfish because they would stop the exercise they would keep they would be like <laughs> like overthink everything and not just literally and some of the exercises were like literally reading off a step-by-step script and they were so freaked out about like what others were going to think that it broke everyone out of the exercise and stopped even their practice subject from receiving a positive result from the practice round of that like therapeutic method. And I just saw over and over again and it solidified that lesson within myself of, wow, I think that we don't like to talk about this because we're like, oh, you know, so sorry if you're like self-conscious or whatever. And I've been calling myself out on this, but I think that self-consciousness can be selfish and it pulls you out from just going out there, doing helpful things and realizing that people really aren't thinking about you unless, you know, you're not self-conscious and you're others focused and you do something, even if you mess up, but you're doing it out of just a good heart to be helpful or um, saying th- something that you think is going to be useful. And then when people receive a positive result, then they think about you and they're like, oh, wow, amazing. Thank you so much. You know, so um, those were two kind of uh, polar, um, polarizing examples on both sides of like kind of rebuking, getting rebuked into realizing it's I really got to let go of some of my insecurities and self-consciousness and then seeing examples in other people of where I realized, oh, it just serves people better and I think that lots of confidence is actually just selflessness. And you don't have to think much of yourself, but probably just don't think that much about yourself. <laughs> just go on. Just do whatever you feel is the most helpful thing to do in that moment. And speak for the Lord, uh, for my other lesson. So um, on business, the lessons that I learned here is that there is no one right way to get the results you want 
only effort that yields results. Or there, particularly, there's no one right way to build a business, only effort that yields results. And you heard me share that lesson when I was talking about my commitments earlier on in this episode. But to give a little bit more detail about why this is such a huge lesson for me, I wrote out to myself and I put this on my um, my computer or right up there in my line of vision on a sticky note stop talking to myself. I would say stop doing behind the scenes work that is really only to convince myself that my work is perfect or worthy enough to help people. I was constantly fiddling with things in the background, constantly making sure like every single like thousandth word on my website was just right. And I realized this really just helps me more than it helps other people helps console me like, oh, I'm not, nobody's going to point out that I'm really a failure or something, or they're not going to point out anything wrong about me. Rather just get out there and do things that actually help people. I will not, my commitment to myself was I will not do behind the scenes work that doesn't serve me or others. And I have always been in the last uh, like three and a half coming up on four years this April of your business now, I realize that I have been so caught up in like, well, I don't really want to take action or um, get out there or put myself out there unless I know this is like the perfect strategy or like the most proven one or the most efficient. And so I bought into all these marketers that <laughs> are saying like, no, I have the perfect like client acquisition system or marketing system. And really, I think that it serves them to sell something that's actually complicated to convince you that the way to run a business is super complicated, but it's really not, which is crazy. I used to think it was so complicated, but I think I was buying into that lesson from other people and I just hadn't learned yet that really you probably know what to do. You know something that's going to help you push along your idea. You know, something that's going to help you advance your business that day and just do it because there's no one way to get what right way to get what you want. Only effort, like a diversity of effort that yields results. There's a lot of roads to get to the same thing. And it all really just goes down to effort, collecting feedback, iterating, doing it again, doing it again. And so... Um, another business lesson that this is probably something I just learned about myself is that ooh, hiring people, I actually learned and I learned this earlier, probably last year, but I, um, I guess I'm just taking it more seriously now it, about myself is I just really don't enjoy managing others whatsoever. I don't. I used to always think that I would create a big company at some huge scale um, when I had dreams of being an entrepreneur from a young age. I just always imagined it would be this big thing. And the way to legitimacy and changing the world is having a huge infrastructure. And that's really not true, especially now that so much, so many of us are just knowledge workers and you could leverage things like code or media like Naval Ravikant talks about. Ravikant. I keep on putting an N in his name. But anyway, like uh, you could be someone that impacts many people as a solopreneur. Like if you're mainly sharing a message that scales, you don't necessarily need to have an infrastructure or an enormous company measured by people on payroll that scales. And 
Um, so I guess I kind of, I mean, I still uh, have contractors in my business um, and, or part-time employees. Legally, those are different and both. But um, I am just giving myself permission to stop imagining that the next step is outsourcing another task and hiring more people. Or how can I hire other people to be like different arms in my business to grow it? Um, and I don't like, I think that my directives from the Lord are quite simple. And he made me in a way that I, my talent, my desire and my energy is not really in the area of managing others. It's in like, uh, sharing a message or in a coaching conversation where I'm directly making, like taking part in the impactful work with the person that I'm helping. So I just, this year, yeah, I'm okay with that for once. And um, the last thing, well, I'll share these last two lessons, really. Um, I've been skipping through some because I know that this is getting so uh, long. But it is on health. And this was just an interesting point that I learned so much about this year, which is that much is said about diet and exercise. Uh, being so important, and of course they are, but actually the majority of our vitality, like our sense of vitality, uh, comes from these four things, which is sleep, which is the true elixir of life and is more powerful than anything. The length, quality, depth of your sleep um, is all something that is like if you learn about one thing about your health this year, I recommend that you look into sleep scientist Matthew Walker's stuff. Um, I know, well, I listened to a whole like six hour masterclass with him, but I think Joe Rogan interviewed him. So you could probably go look up that interview. He probably has a lot of helpful things to say in it. I didn't watch that one. Um, but Matthew Walker, you will learn that sleep is literally the elixir of life and it changes everything. It changes your like what food you eat, what mood you're in, how much you could do, the length of your life, uh, it changes your food cravings. Like it's, it's crazy. If you just get appropriate sleep, you will feel like you are on top of the world. And most people, literally most people in the world just do not get proper sleep. But once you do, you will be absolutely hooked and amazed and think it's like the super drug of the century. Uh, so the much most sorry the majority of our vitality comes from these four things sleep breathing like depth quality regulation uh like i have a really like if i don't pay attention i just have a really shallow breath like coming from the top of the chest and i don't like really breathe from my diaphragm so i'm doing that right now <laughs> and also sunlight sleep breathing sunlight and water sleep breathing sunlight water Diet and exercise are not mentioned on this list. They are extremely influential, extremely influential. But these other four things actually will give you a leg up like you cannot imagine. Um, the sunlight, it actually, when you go outside and um, look at sunlight, you don't look at the sun, that will damage your eyes. But you're in, like you're looking at the sky, you're outside, not looking through a window just for five to 10 minutes at the beginning of the day particularly before 9 a.m. And during sunset, like as close as uh, like daybreak, sunrise as you could get, and then also viewing sunset, 
it actually particular it uh, sets your circadian rhythms to trigger both energy and sleep sleepiness at the appropriate times and that will act as like your natural coffee it will act as your uh, natural like getting you ready to have a high quality sleep if you just go outside and see these things uh, or view the sunlight and then water like the quantity and the quality of it Um, then you have diet and exercise and emotional well-being all of those things radically change your life so that's been really cool to learn about especially the sleep thing it I think that's another thing that was a huge contributor to me no longer even having an awareness of an attention issue in my life at all is I just get higher quality sleep now um and it will make your brain feel like you have superpowers then the last point that I'll mention this is like not one that makes me feel like a superhero in the slightest and it's a very humbling one to talk about it's that I uh this year I was broken down mentally and spiritually like I have never been broken down like I've had big seasons of stress and unhappiness um like when I, like sometimes when I was uh, like a teenager in ballet and it was a tough high school environment. I went to like a ballet boarding school my senior year. Um, tough, tough social environment, like abuse from the teachers, it, like mental, physical, it was just crazy. Um, so like that was tough. And of course, like my corporate job really I was not thriving in that. Um, I was doing well in it, but was not happy uh, as I've shared my story a few times on this podcast before. But this year there was something different. There was something different. And ironically, a lot went well. Um, And I think that many, this is a pretty well-documented phenomenon. When you achieve things that you've been looking forward to and putting your happiness and your hope in for a long time, um, that there's a it's pretty common to have some disappointment when you realize that like they're they're not everything and but that wasn't all um that my hardship was chalked up to in the slightest this year but that's just kind of one element of it but I've had hard years but there was always like this youthful excitement of good things are coming and it will make it all better but this year I had moments where I was really uninterested in my future and just scarily disconnected from hope, from goals, from, uh, I was kind of like just, just, um, feeling, well, if you've had depression, you know, sometimes you could feel like nothing matters and there's no point. Um, and I thought like if some, um, key relationships and community can feel really painful and like you have a sense of abandonment at times if that happens like if I feel like there's not care here and again like my mind was really playing tricks on me this wasn't reality I have very loving uh, family friends community relationships Um, but 
the mind can really play some tricks on you. But I kind of felt like if all, if I feel abandoned here, then like, then who else will actually be there for me? Will all relationships ultimately show that they don't care about me at all? And again, the lots um, happen. Not, not worth explaining here. But, and then like in terms of my career, which was kind of always my ultimate, like if all else fails, I've got stuff going on here. And I thought, even if my dream business and hardly working at all while I'm changing technically like people's lives, if that doesn't fulfill me, whatever will. Um, and I, of course, like my work is fulfilling and energizing and exciting to me. But ultimately, if you try to make created things your ultimate thing, they will always dry up. You will always suck out, suck the life out of all good things if you try to make them God. Everything. And that was, that's a scary lesson. Scary lesson to see play out because you kind of get to the end of yourself and you're like, what is this all for? But I'm so grateful to report why this is a lesson that shaped me because of course God used the breaking down to show me the obvious answer the obvious answer but I just hadn't let this lesson affect my heart yet and I still was chasing after things that matter that are good that are gifts from God that are helpful that are a calling from him but they are not God they are not God. So God used that breaking down to show me the obvious answer, answer, which is he alone is my fulfillment. And I always thought that was some stupid hallmark quote card platitude. And I'm like, I know I'm supposed to say that Jesus is the answer, but like, meh. <laughs> but when you like getting to the end of yourself is honestly such a gift. It is such a gift. I have grown in my love for the Lord more than ever in my life this year and to see that breaking down and to see that he alone is my fulfillment and the source of all my awe all my adoration all my praise all my joy all my peace he alone will not abandon he alone only will ultimately not abandon or forsake me or be out to hurt me he is the end and the beginning. I felt like in this year, I finally understood in a deeper way that he is everything and that I go to all these tangible things to give me quick hits of meaning. And God seems so intangible, so ethereal. And um, and I know that I'm technically supposed to be uh, like on fire or in love with God, but that seems pretty hard when there's humans and like, things materially here that are so much easier to hold on to but um I'm just very grateful that God used this year for all the good it had <laughs> the mind is a very tricky thing and it's all kind of this big mirage you he leads us to see that he alone he alone is purely good he alone is solid ground to stand on um, and so after learning that, I'm so grateful and so excited that I could return to 
participating in, advancing, and enjoying all these good and gracious gifts that he's given me, which is deep friendships, which is a healthy body, a sound mind, a great business, a calling to help people through, a role in the body of Christ to serve and to um, help others and just enjoy life. And honestly, like I live in such a nice place and have such so many good things going for me. And I'm really grateful, but I feel like I, I could return to enjoying these things with detachment, knowing that they could come, they could go, and there still will likely be many seasons of forgetting this, many seasons of having to learn this lesson again, although I pray that that is not the case, and I trust that God can seal me in this lesson, but wow. <laughs> I don't think that there is much of a lesson that's more has been more important to me than this one. So that's kind of like the tale of my 2021 and all the years to come. They all meet their punchline in this lesson, which is God is the alpha, alpha and the omega. He created me to share his love with me in the hope that we would have a real relationship and I would I would turn and look up to him as the source of all love and return it to him and reciprocate it and have this uh, a relationship with him. And honestly, I was kind of designed to flail and implode <laughs> in all pursuits that are not resting in that relationship and returning that love ultimately. Like when you take something all the way to its end. And I am just grateful that that's not a hopeless lesson. Like now I know in a deeper way, you know, like you could head, know something from your head, but I felt like in my heart, I know it a lot more this year is that um, he is the ground that I stand on. Whew. So, wow. Um, how many, so it's like two and a half hours. Well, um, I am grateful. If you made it to the end of this, actually, would you DM me? Because that would be crazy if you let me know that uh, someone actually got to the end. Um, and I'm curious what you resonated with in um, maybe any parts of what I shared God taught me in 2021. Maybe those were similar lessons to you or maybe totally new ones. I would love to hear what God taught you and what your 2021 was like, what the big wins and lessons were. Um, but thank you for allowing me to share this with you and cheers to 2022.